What's good, everyone? Welcome to the African Americans in Sport podcast, a unique podcasting format where each episode is a lesson and each season is a semester where we detail the diverse experiences of African Americans in sport. In today's class, we feature Darren K. Roberts, founding director of the Center for Sports Leadership and Innovation at the University of Texas at Austin. He is also the author of Call and Audible, Let My Pivot from Harvard Law to NFL Coach Inspire Your Transition. How are you? Coach Darren K. Roberts, we're from Harvard Law to the NFL by the grace of God, good old-fashioned grit. Excited to be participating in this pod class. I know all of the instructors associated with this project. Love all of them. They're good men, good people, and invested in your growth. Let's get right to it. I'm going to answer a few questions that were posed. Number one, considering the several pivots you have made throughout your journey, what were some of the major transferable skills you recognize as valuable to your success with your career? family, relationships, partnerships. All right, let me just give you a brief rundown of my story. I'll start at Genesis. Grew up in East Texas, small town, 12,291 people. Go to the University of Texas in 1997. The goal, to become governor by age 40. All right, I turned 42 last November. So obviously took a wrong turn or a right turn somewhere, depending on how you look at it. Was student body president, was on my way to becoming governor, also on a very linear, if A then B, if B then C type of roadmap. So the goal was to get to Harvard Law School. I apply. I don't get accepted. I don't get rejected. What's in the middle? The wait list. Dear Darren, we like you. Unfortunately, we like a lot more people more than we like you. In the highly unlikely event that all of those people turn us down, we may reach back out to you. But if there is any option that you have for law school, we highly advise you to take them with love. Dean of Admissions, Joyce P. Curl, I was distraught. I go and work in D.C. for Joe Lieberman on the Hill in the U.S. Senate for two years. I go to the Kennedy School of Government for my master's. I'm reapplying to Harvard Law School. Get waitlisted four years. Finally get in. 04, I begin my law school training. Summer of 06, before my last year of law school. On a whim, I work a football camp and I love it. Decide I want to be a coach. Go back to law school for the last year. Tell my parents, I'm going to graduate, but I'm also going to write a letter to every team in the NFL. How many are there? 32. How many rejections does Darren get? 31. The only yes, Herm Edwards, Kansas City Chiefs. I graduate June 6th. I take my diploma from Elena Kagan, my dean, party with the family, get in my 2002 Tahoe, which I still own, drive from Cambridge, Massachusetts to Kansas City, Missouri, spend a year being the grunt, slept in Arrowhead Stadium on a twin blow-up mattress, was the first one up, was the last one to bed, and get an offer to become a full-time coach at the end of that year. So I spent two years in KC, two years with the Detroit Lions, two years with the West Virginia Mountaineers, and one year with America's team. Who is it? Cleveland Brown. Everybody's newest favorite team. Now they're winning. All right. We went 4-12. and 12. Get fired. Go home. My oldest son was three. He said, you eat breakfast? He's watching me scramble eggs. I'm like, what the heck is he talking about? What's to my wife? Like, What's going on? Then? My wife asked me a question that changes the entire trajectory of my life. Darren, when was the last time that you had breakfast with Dylan? I couldn't put a date on it because I was still getting to the office at five on a good night home by 11 p.m. And the irony hit me that I was spending all of my time with other people's sons and my own son didn't know me. So I go back to the University of Texas, start teaching, create a center for sports leadership and innovation. We teach classes to all of our freshman athletes on leadership, financial literacy, help pro athletes transition back into civilian life. I'm also a partner with a venture capital firm called Notley Ventures in Austin, Texas. 
I write, I speak, I coach. Okay, so transferable skills. What has helped me? Number one, humility. Humility. And this is something that I think is in short supply, especially with educated folk, right? Folks who've got some years under their belt in higher education. It is easy to think that we have the answers. We don't. So having the humility to tell someone, I don't know about this. I'm not sure which way to go. I need help. Number one skill, humility. Understanding when you don't know is something, when you need help, and whether you're 22 or 52, having the courage to act on that humility and ask for help. That's number one. Number two, I would say, this is a good question. I'm thinking about it now. Transferable skill, intellectual curiosity. Most college graduates, once they graduate from college, will read on average two books for the rest of their entire lives. So there's this, there's this notion that education stops with school. Having a roving intellectual curiosity that will lead you down rabbit holes, that will give you new ideas, that will force you to question your assumptions. This is the lifeblood of someone who wants to succeed. It's number two. Number three, the willingness to say no. Okay, now here's my, here's my thought on, on saying no and saying yes. When you're young, say yes to a lot of opportunities. Being young gives you the latitude to go wide. Don't worry about focusing on anything. Go wide. Nonprofits, investment banking, social work, whatever it may be, go wide. Use all the data from those experiences then to go narrow at some point later down the road. You say, you know what? I've had a ton of experiences in the pro- in the for-profit, in the nonprofit sectors, and I think that what I really want to do with my life is X, and you go narrow later down the road. But this is no time to go narrow. Go wide. So say yes early, but at some point in your life, you're going to have to say no because people will want you. You're going to be in demand. They want advice. They want assistance. They want money. And you have to decide what is your core set of beliefs and activities that you want to engage in. And then if it doesn't fit, say no, because time is your most valuable resource. All right. There are three for you. Number two, as a black coach with no experience as a former student athlete or professional athlete, how did you gain respect and build a connection with the athletes? More broadly, how did you gain respect as the outsider? The National Football League is filled with men who want to be elite. So from a physical standpoint, these are the most elite humans on the planet. They're in the 99.99999 percentile when it comes to physical talent. But here's something exceptional about, about NFL athletes. They want to be coached. Herm Edwards would always say, hey, players want to be coached. So what I had to do is someone without college experience playing and obviously no NFL experience was I had to study, study, study defensive back philosophy, skills, training, technique. I went deep. I read every book on how to coach defensive backs. I talked to every coach that I could find who was a defensive backs coach, and I took notes. I sat in the back of the room of every defensive backs meeting and took notes. So you got to shut your mouth, and you got to listen and build a competency. Now, when I first got my opportunity to coach players, no longer an assistant, I studied every football play from the previous year that this player had been involved in. Every snap, I put together a tape. I identified what the strengths and weaknesses of this particular player were. And then I sat down with him and I said, look, you had a solid year last year. 
here are your best snaps. And we show them the wins. And I said, okay, here, here are some snaps where if we change a few things, minute changes, you could be drastically better. And then part three is, here's how we're going to do it. Give them a roadmap. So you got to really study to build the respect because now they know it's not just some guy coming in here from law school who doesn't know anything about football. I've watched you. I've identified your strengths and your weaknesses, but I'm also giving you solutions. And here are the things that we're going to work on from a technique standpoint that will get you to the next level. That's how you do it. And that, that roadmap works in any domain, any sector, any vertical. Study up to get the competency. Once you start dealing with people, show them their strengths, show them their weaknesses, and provide a roadmap. How do you suggest college students and student athletes acquire a pivot mindset to help them consider opportunities outside of the box? Great question. And it goes back to an earlier point I made. This is the time to go wide. So I don't care what your major is. I don't care what mama and daddy said that you should be when you grow up. I don't care what you wrote in your college application. This is the time to try out as many opportunities as possible. And please, I can't stress this enough. No matter what your major is, be willing to take opportunities that don't fit what your transcript says. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Look at me. I was a liberal arts undergraduate major. I worked in government. I got a graduate degree in political science. I got a law degree. I've worked for in the profit in the for-profit sector with NFL teams. I've coached. I am now the director of a center for sports leadership in higher ed. And I am a partner with Notley Ventures, which, which is a venture capital firm. That has that that is a circuitous route if I've ever seen one. But this is the beauty of life. And this is the thing that I think 2020 should 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 have really left an imprint on us. The more nimble you can be, the more of an opportunity you have to pivot. So you've got to get a little bit of everything on your on your resume to show some competency because you don't know when you're going to have to use it. Number four, forecast over the next 10 years. How do you see black men and women occupying roles in sports other than athlete? Great question. I got a lot of good thoughts on this one. Number one, I think that name, image, and likeness, NIL, to the ability for student athletes to monetize their name, image, and likeness will be a seaside change in the business of sports. So now you can monetize once the rules come down. You can monetize those Instagram followers. You can monetize the TikTok followers because businesses will pay you to promote their products. So there will be a capital accumulation. Now, the tricky part will be, can you wrap around the support system, someone to help the taxes, someone to help with the legal framework and the contracts in order to make it work for you? But I think this will fundamentally change the power dynamic. And you're going to see some of that power that's rested with the head coach and the athletic director shift to the student athlete. And I love it. I'm all for it. Number two, venture capital. Venture capital, if you think about players like Iguodala or Curry or Durant or LeBron, they're not taking cash deals. So I'm not going to do a McDonald's commercial for you. You're going to pay me some cash and I'm going to walk away. They are demanding equity. I want stock because I want the upside that comes with stock. This is venture capital. I want to make an investment in the business so that I can reap the upside when you get acquired or the valuation goes up. 
so this mindset, I think it's going to be, it's going to trickle. It's really been more concentrated in basketball. It's trickled over into football. It's in baseball to some degree. This mindset, I think, will completely change the landscape. The third thing I will say is this. Athletes, and there's a great New York Times article that was written in 2020 around how athletes are, are, are leveraging LinkedIn. This is the goal mine. If you don't remember anything else I'll tell you out there, LinkedIn is the gold mine. Say it one more time. LinkedIn is the gold mine. I don't care how many followers you have on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, how many people listen to you on Clubhouse. I can tell you from personal experience, and this is a platform that I spend 80% of my social media, media minutes on. And I was fortunate to be named the number one top voice in sports on LinkedIn in 2020. The reason why I do that is because when you post strategically and intentionally and find creative ways to share your story and your value proposition, people will DM you and want to pay for a service. So when I post about speaking at a company and I don't say, hey, hire me to speak, DMs naturally come in. Hey, we're at Facebook or Google, Twitter or Coca-Cola. Would you come in and do a talk on empathy or strategic management? LinkedIn is where the money is. So this crazy guy from Texas has said a lot of things. Go wide early. Embrace humility. Once you figure out what you want to do in life, have the courage to say no and leverage LinkedIn. No struggle, no progress. Stay in the deep end. Thank you for joining today's class. If you learned from and like what you heard, please leave a review, give the class five stars, or make a donation through our Patreon. A link can be found in the show notes. We look forward to having you join us for the next season of the African Americans in Sport podcast, where we will continue to feature more conversations from experts in the African American sports experience.